That's like classic. The, um, it's classic, yeah. <laughs> classic cobbler's shoes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know what to tell everybody else to do, but you just haven't got around to doing it. Exactly. Welcome to episode 36 of Rockstar CMO FM. The M is for marketing, the F is for, well, you decide. As you're probably wondering, if the world needs another effing marketing podcast. I'm your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of Rockstar CMO, your regular hit of marketing street knowledge, where we share straight-talking marketing advice from our community of marketing writers and CMOs. You can find us at rockstarcmo.com or at Rockstar CMO on LinkedIn and Twitter. This episode is recorded on Friday the 13th of November, and if you're a regular listener, thank you, welcome back. I hope you've had a good week, you are well, keeping safe, and staying as sane as you feel you need to be. If you're new, welcome. Hope you enjoy the show. This week, the set list is a quick thought from me, a chat to a friend of the show, marketing consultant and regular contributor to Rockstar CMO, Dennis Shaw. And I again retired to the Rockstar CMO virtual bar for a chat with my friend and content marketing guru, Robert Rose. Right, let's get started, shall we? Often at this point in the show, I share something from the virtual page of Rockstar CMO that I'd like you to take a look at. But I'm straying away from our publication to share something that inspired me this week. As I think I've referred to a couple of times on this podcast, and certainly in my increasingly occasional social media updates, I regularly listen to Douglas Burdett's marketing book podcast. And in a recent episode, he interviewed Seth Godin, and they talked about his latest book, The Practice. Now, I admit I have a mild marketing book buying problem, and Douglas's podcast really doesn't help. But I'm a fan of Seth Godin. His books over the last 20 years or so have been a big part of my marketing education. So this week, the practice arrived on my doorstep. I've not finished it yet, but if you like a bit of Godin, I think you'll love it, as you'll love the interview too. And the thought from the book and the interview I want to share with you is about being intentional and designing what you do with a purpose. And he asks three questions. Who are you trying to change? What change are you trying to make? And how will you know if it worked? I love this. I mean, obviously, Seth is talking about the thing you want to do more broadly in life. But in my own content strategy consulting work, inspired early on by being encouraged to ask why by Robert Rose, who I'll be talking to later in the show, when looking at a content idea, I ask similar questions. Why are we doing this? What's it for? And what's the goal? Who's it for? Or <laughs> if I'm being a bit grumpy, actually, who cares? How will we measure if it met that goal? It's easy to get caught up in the marketing hamster wheel of execution for execution's sake, producing content, creating data sheets, putting on webinars or events just because the business expects activity. It's far better to be intentional, to occasionally ask why and who's it for and who cares. It's a rougher road. It's easier to say yes. But if you're intentional, each asset builds to a common narrative and delivers against your goals. Okay, nothing too original about sharing a bit of Godin, but his wise words resonate with me this week, and I hope you find them useful. I'll obviously share links to both the Marketing Book podcast and Seth's book in the show notes, which you can find at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast, where you'll also find links to the previous shows. (laughs) 
Right, so I think that's quite enough from me. Let's welcome our first guest, Dennis Shaw. Dennis is an independent marketing consultant who is a content marketing, product messaging, and social media marketing expert. He is well known in the industry. He's the co-host of the Bay Area Content Marketing Meetup, a regular columnist for CMS Wire and Content Marketing Institute, who recently recognized Dennis as the 2020 Community Champion at this year's Virtual Content Marketing World event. Dennis is a friend of the show. I chatted to him on episode five and a regular contributor to Rockstar CMO. And with his community building smarts in mind, I thought I'd ask him about his most recent article and the topic of building content and a community on rented land. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, Dennis, to Rockstar CMO FM. How are you? I'm good, Ian. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And for people that haven't heard you on the show before, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. I am a marketing consultant. I'm uh, based in the Bay Area, California. Mm -hmm. I spent a good chunk of my career in full-time roles in marketing, in both product marketing and content marketing. About two years ago, I went out on my own, excuse me, as a marketing consultant. It was largely due to a wasn't necessarily by choice. There was a, a company acquisition and my my role had been eliminated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that point, I was looking for another full-time role, but I picked up a little bit of, um, of uh, small freelance projects to tide me over till I found a new full-time role. And then I learned that I liked it so much that I looked for more and I found some more. And so ever since then, I've been on my own as a consultant and it's been great. I mm-hmm. work with uh, some a bunch of companies here in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, mostly in B2B tech. I do things like content marketing, social media marketing, a little bit of website copy, yeah. and uh, what else? And I also run the Bay Area Content Marketing Meetup, which I think I'll talk a little bit more about. Yeah, no, I was going to mention that too. And of course, regular listeners would have heard some of your stories already, so that's fantastic. And as a friend of the show, I have to ask, if you're here, who's listening to the show? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, I think you're too too (laughs) modest. I am definitely a hardcore listener, but I'm sure there's many other thousands or millions of raving fans out there also listening. Tens, I think we decided. Well, I really appreciate your support on Twitter. Thank you very much. Now, um, the reason why I had you on is because uh, you wrote um, the the theme for this month, as we've been discussing, has been um, the uh, whether we build our personal brands and our corporate brands on rented land, i.e. the big tech, or whether we put in the hard miles and and build something that we own, right? So um, that was the theme of Rockstar CMO this month. And you uh, contributed to that. So do you want to expand on what your view of that? You had a great personal story around that. Sure. I think the uh, I'll, I'll start before the story with just my main strategy for folks to consider. Mm-hmm. And that is to always uh, to go into anything with owned land as the objective. So always mm-hmm. plan for owned land, but you cannot eliminate or it would be unwise, in my opinion, to not consider rented land. So I look at it as almost a use rented land as a way to get to the, the destination, which is your which is owned land, your owned audience. Mm-hmm. I guess an anal- a similar analogy is when you think about certain employment opportunities. There's the what is it called the uh, uh, temp to hire. Like you can go yeah. work for a, a company as a consultant, and then the arrangement is if it works out for you, then they will hire you as a full time employee. So I mm-hmm. guess like a full-time employee is kind of like the owned land, the, the destination you want to reach. 
and mm -hmm. there's an interim period of getting there. Um, so my strategy is always owned land is the most important thing in my mind because then you have an, an audience that you have a direct relationship with and mm -hmm. you can, can essentially control your own destiny. But you can often get to that destination with the help of rented land. So right. I'll use an example. So yeah. I mentioned I run the Bay Area Content Marketing Meetup. Uh, before the pandemic, we used to meet once a month in the Bay Area uh, in person. We mm -hmm. would have pizza. We'd have a presentation from a marketing expert. And it was a great way to gather local marketers. And as you can tell by the name, we use the meetup.com platform. So when mm -hmm. I created this group, I went to meetup.com. I created the group. Um, yeah. the, the business model of meetup.com for organizers is that there's a subscription fee. So I think every six months I pay some nominal fee, which is totally worth it. Yeah. <clears throat> and the yeah. result is I get access to the users of the meetup.com platform. So if you can imagine mm -hmm. back when we were doing in-person gatherings, people, uh. there are, let's say, there's some large number of people who are members of meetup.com in the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. And they would find our meetup group and potentially RSV, uh, become a member of the group. And yeah. potentially, th at that point, they would get notifications for all of our scheduled events. And they, um, this is it, so, this is an example of rented land in that I don't have a direct relationship to the meetup.com audience, but I yeah. leveraged my presence there, the group's presence, mm -hmm. to get mm -hmm. members to our meetup. Right. And I would estimate well more than 50%, maybe it's like 80% of our current members, we're actually over a thousand members now, wow. um, came from the meetup.com platform. Like, I don't, I don't know these people. They, we, I leveraged that platform to get users. The mm -hmm. other percent, like let's call it 20% is from my own personal network and from other members promoting the meetup group to their networks. Mm -hmm. So it's like a little bit mm -hmm. of personal outreach, mm -hmm. but uh, we, our group would not be where it is today without meetup.com. Mm -hmm. Great example is we've had visitors to in person, like they came and ate pizza with us and watched a presentation from Tokyo one night wow. and, and one night from Kazakhstan. Wow. Um, I would not have known, but I just randomly said, where, where are you from? Yeah. Thinking they'd yeah. be like from a, a town nearby. And they said, oh, yeah. I'm visiting from Kazakhstan. So they are meet, meetup.com wow. members back home, I assume. They came yeah. to visit san francisco they didn't have plans that night so they went to meetup.com and did a search they found us and they showed mm -hmm. up <laughs> oh, and fantastic. That's, yeah, that's just amazing yeah but here's yeah. okay so here's the catch so here's where it connects to owned land meetup.com's business model is well they, they they make revenue from organizers like me who pay a subscription fee mm-hmm Meetup.com is not going to give me the email addresses of all my members because I, mm -hmm. I've even heard some of their executives say this. If you if I get all the email addresses of, of my members, I could potentially just take that list, like I, mm -hmm. I would now have a thousand email uh, addresses, yeah. and just leave the platform because yeah. I have I have a direct access to my members. So they yeah. very wisely don't. I mean, they I can message my members through the Meetup.com platform. I could mm -hmm. I go in there and send a message. Mm -hmm. um, but I cannot have a direct relationship with them. Uh, like I can't take them elsewhere. So meetup.com mm -hmm. kind of uses that as a way for me to mm -hmm. stay on the system. Yeah. So that is, in a sense, that is completely rented land. Yeah. So what I did probably three years ago is I decided to create my own email newsletter. Mm -hmm. I created a, a free account on, <clears throat> excuse me, on MailChimp. Mm -hmm. 
And my my premise at the time was I can message my members on meetup.com, like next Tuesday is our next meetup. Mm-hmm. But I wanted an additional vehicle to to um, promote our meetups. And mm-hmm. oh, at the same time, I could just sprinkle in other content that I'm curating or my thoughts. Yeah. So this is um, about three years ago. So I started the, the newsletter. I did some initial uh, hand-to-hand combat of outreach to try to <laughs> to message the people that I did know. Like, I do have yeah. their email addresses because I know them. And yeah, say, yeah. would you like to subscribe to my newsletter? So it built a very mm-hmm. modest following. It's not like I could mm-hmm. do an export and then a full mm-hmm. import because, of course, meetup.com is not giving me the email addresses. Mm-hmm. So it's just like um, reaching out to the regulars who I who whose email addresses I had and mm-hmm. asked them if they wanted to uh, si- sign up for the newsletter. So mm-hmm. over time, I've been growing this uh, um, audience of my newsletter. It happens to be called Content Corner. It comes out every Friday. And yep. it's really morphed now. So that is my beginning of building owned land where I can now message this audience about meetups. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, if like this meetup happens to go away five, 10 years from now, I still have that audience with me. So yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great because I, if I didn't have that owned audience and I just stopped the meetup, then like I have nothing. I, have not, I walk mm-hmm. away with nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so two things on that. One is, is, I think um, the challenge for marketers when they move people from rented to owned, as as you have done, is how do you incentivize people to make that that move across? Uh, so that's, yes. I'm interested in that from your perspective. But also, have you found the meetups themselves? Since we're all in sort of COVID times and you've gone virtual, have you changed? Have you found that's changed your reach? I mean, you're talking about somebody physically coming from Kazakhstan and coming to your event. Are you now <laughs> finding that you're getting that reach? I mean, does the meetup platform still work with virtual events? Are you, are you finding you're getting that greater reach now? Oh, for sure. So it's mm-hmm. been pretty amazing, actually. Um, when the pandemic started, I think... So first of all, we decided, obviously, can't mm-hmm. meet in person anymore. We actually mm-hmm. had a, one or two scheduled back in March that we could no longer do in person. So yeah. we quickly uh, pivoted to online. We're now using Zoom, and we have been able to increase the frequency. So instead of once a month, it is mm-hmm. now once a week, and mm-hmm. just we it used to sprinkle it through different days of the week, and then yeah. uh, there was one month where we started doing them all on Thursdays. So I was thinking, let's just simplify it, and we pick Thursday <laughs> as our day. Yeah. So we meet. There's certain weeks where we missed a week, but we're basically every Thursday at noon Pacific. You can find us um, if you go to meetup.com. You can RSVP and get the Zoom link, yeah. and then of course we record each meetup and we provide the recording on YouTube. That's another discussion mm-hmm. we, we could have about rented land. And <laughs> yeah. so where was I going? Oh, so we went to every week <laughs> yeah. and um, anyone can attend now. We don't charge. We used to charge yeah. $5 to cover the cost of pizza. Now you yeah. can attend from anywhere. And yeah. even if you're in a time zone where it's the middle of the night, you can still watch our recordings. Yeah. Um, so when that pandemic started, we we're probably around s- maybe sh- short of 700 members on meetup.com. But now mm-hmm. that we're promoting this, anybody can attend. It's actually mm-hmm. a little bit confusing because we have Bay Area in the name. So some people are saying, yeah, can, I, yeah, can yeah. I still join you? And, and, and <laughs> yeah. of course. So now yeah. we've grown from under 700 to over 1,000 just during the pandemic because we're now wow. doing them online. Yeah. And now in addition to a Kazakhstan visitor in person, during our first online meetup, we had an attendee from uh, Mumbai, India. Mm, so wow. it was like 12 hours difference, but he was still able yeah. to join us. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's been amazing. Yeah. 
that's that's awesome and then the the idea that you then are, are then converting these people into your your built land what how have you found that process and what incentives is it is it simply getting the good stuff now they've got to know you better yeah so th- as far as um it's tricky because there's no easy automated way to convert or in some in, in my case i'm there might be cases times in other cases where you can eat more yeah. easily convert from rented to own my case is a little bit of i was calling it hand-to-hand combat like individual outreach plus yeah. the fact that my newsletter has now grown to be like a key primary uh, personal branding vehicle so for yeah. instance i have it in my email signature if you yeah. go to my twitter profile so i'm yeah. just trying to get it it's it's almost broader than the meetup now. Um, it's now a, yeah. a key vehicle that I promote everywhere I go. And like, w- yeah. if I write, I think I probably put it in my author profile on Rockstar CMO. But when I write yeah, on other yeah. sites, I make sure yeah. I link to the to the newsletter. Yeah. yeah. Um. So in that sense, I'm trying to just get a broader, yeah. a more broadly grow my own land, even beyond the meetup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting that you chose a newsletter as your. I mean, most people choose like a a blog or a media a medium blog or something like that. Right. Whereas you've you you focused on the newsletter first. Is that how's that worked out for you? I mean, it's it's an interesting route to start with with a newsletter. Yeah, I think there was a really simple reason I chose the newsletter as the vehicle initially is is because my main main motivation was around emailing my meetup members mm-hmm. up beyond the meetup.com platform. Yeah. So in that sense, like a blog would make sense because who would actually know to go visit my blog to yeah, learn about yeah. the next meetup. Yeah. And I started it long enough ago, like maybe, like I said, three years that yeah. I think I was early on the trend, like email newsletters were, have been on this, um, this, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. It's like, a, it's um, what's old is new again. It's like a lot yeah. of, um, yeah, everyone's, yeah. everyone's doing it now. So I guess was, yeah, yeah. I was just fell into the trend that they're now yeah. becoming very trendy as a way yeah. Yeah. to connect with, with subscribers. Yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said for that. I mean, I, I, I wrote about, um, getting back into RSS the other day and of course nobody's, <laughs> nobody's bothering to put their blog, post, but it's a similar thing, isn't it? If you manage your yeah. subscriptions well, then you can actually stay connected with authors pretty well through, through their newsletters. Uh, right. And there's some really yeah. good ones out there. So that, that's fantastic. Um, what are, um, so um, any plans for creating your own? Because you, you have blogged before, <laughs> you have run your own blog and stuff, and you are yes. occasionally on Medium. Any plans yes. for that? Yeah. So I mentioned this in my Rockstar CM, CMO post. I <laughs> I do. I current. I have my own business, of course, but I have mm-hmm. not yet built my business's website. Mm-hmm. So it's something that it's kind of like classic. the. Um, it's classic. Yeah. Classic cobbler's shoes, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you know what to tell everybody else to do, but you just haven't got around to doing it exactly. yourself yet. <laughs> exactly. I created, I I have had a Medium account for quite some time. That was like, if I wanted to publish something, I would just go to Medium. <clears throat> yeah. So that's just another example of um, rented versus owned, where yeah, yeah. I can publish on Medium and they've got a great, very simple user experience for publishing a new post. And I yeah. get the ability for people on medium.com to find me. And I do find, mm-hmm. I do get a lot of people who don't know me finding my posts. I even get certain publications that see my post and ask if I would be part of their collection or whatever the term on medium is called. Mm-hmm. So that's all good. 
I just know that that's still rented land. Like Medium could go away or they could mm -hmm. change the rules. They could make me pay for access to my audience. Mm -hmm. Like who, who knows? Mm -hmm. So I do plan to launch my website for my business mm -hmm. and then start mm -hmm. uh, publishing my content, like new blog posts there. Yeah, that's brilliant. I think that's something new as well since the last time we chatted. So that's really good. That's really good to hear. Um, that, that, that well, I mean, that was fantastic. Thanks, thanks for that. I mean, normally I finish with the with the uh, question about chucking things in the Rockstar CMO swimming pool, but I think we've both been there already. So that's fantastic. Yes. Um, and I will include links to your newsletter if they're not there already in the show notes. Um, and if people are spinning the dial on the interwebs and they want to find you, Dennis, where would they find you? Sure. I'm most active on Twitter. My handle mm -hmm. is dshao, D-S-H-I-A-O. Mm -hmm. You can also look me up on LinkedIn and connect with me. If you are list if you're connecting with me as a result of this episode, just mention Rockstar CMO yeah. podcast. So I have some context. Yeah. Cause like most of us, I do get random <laughs> invitations quite often. Yeah. Um, but those are the two key places I, I um, reside. All right. Well, I recommend people follow your newsletter. I certainly read it. It's fantastic. And um, I should, I should attend the meetup now that it's virtual. I should definitely do that. That's right. It's like, it's eight o'clock at night for me, I think now, nine. So, but yeah, so yeah. I'll certainly do that. And okay. I recommend people come by and look at, look at your work. And thank you very much for your contribution to Rockstar. Uh, and, and like I say, I'll include all the links. Thank you very much, Dennis. I'll speak to you Thanks again for, soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Thanks, Dennis. It's always a pleasure to catch up with him. I strongly recommend connecting with Dennis, a super chap, and I will, of course, include a link to all the good stuff from him, including his meetup, his newsletter, and social links in the show notes. Right, it's Friday evening, time to wind down for the weekend. And what better way than to join my friend and content marketing mentor, Robert Rose, in the Rockstar CMO Virtual Bar. Good evening, Robert. What are you drinking? Ah, uh, hello, my friend. Good to see you in the bar. Um, well, okay. So this evening mm -hmm. we have something. Uh, you know, you might actually have this. You, you, oh my god! You might actually have this in your bar <laughs> um, tonight. We've said that before, though, Robert, and, I, and I, I've always disappointed you. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> think you're going to disappoint me. This. I just have a funny feeling because tonight i'm drinking um this thing you might have heard of it's called gin um oh my god yeah yeah, yeah really gin um, i am i have been exploring the i have been exploring uh and much in in celebration of our uh, of course uh, get togethers i have been exploring yeah. the high-end world of gin and tonics and so nice. the uh, this is a a, 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 a a a are you familiar with dingle the brand gin yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it's a very small Irish distillery, um, mm -hmm. and uh, I have been exploring some of the Irish gins. Um, nice. And then Fentiman's Tonic um, nice. as, a, as a match for it. Um, nice. And then mixed with, and I'm sure yes. you'll have this uh, laying around, a little yeah. fresh anise, uh, which gives oh, it that nice. licorice taste, uh, and then lime and mint. And it's wow. a very, very refreshing little gin and tonic. And, and that... by the way, good for the stomach. 
Yeah, that is a very, very classy gin and tonic too. I, I, yes, I'm, I'm not surprised. I am not surprised. I thought if you if you're going to bring a gin and tonic to this show, you'd bring the best gin and tonic to this show. <laughs> I've actually, I've, I'm yeah, not, I, I'm, I'm familiar with that gin. I'm not sure I've had it. I've had, um, I've had Welsh gin. I've had lots of different kinds of gin. Very nice, but. <laughs> Welsh, As we, Welsh gin. There's a joke right there. You realize there's a joke right there. <laughs> well, with, with Welsh well, gin. I wasn't um, Welsh gin. Something with sheep or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> I was, I'd steer, um, steer well clear of that. Otherwise, we're going to lose all about Welsh. All your Welsh your listeners. Yes. <laughs> we've already we've already messed with our Scottish listeners, haven't we, on a previous episode? So, so yeah. yeah we're, our, our audience is, is diminishing um but you'll be um as i try and still try and gain some attention from this wonderful brand i have some hendrix so let's uh, let's ah. pour some some nice hendrix i'm sure that this isn't you know quite as nice as yours but anyway oh my god you know what i've forgotten the ice ice and what was your tonic uh fentimans Nice. I've got fever tree again. Cucumber huh? fever tree, so quite fancy. There we go. Ooh, that's lovely. Yeah. Gonna do that. And uh, I can only imagine what your measures are like. Probably <laughs> well, quite a generous amount like, of gin. It's just, you know, you have a big bottle of gin and a small bottle of tonic and you just <laughs> there's a reason for that. You know yeah. what? Um you know what I should have done? I should have actually uh had a tequila. <laughs> Missed an opportunity there. So I have some very fine tequila. No, I have a gin tonic. Let's try this. Mmm. <laughs> Robert, week after week, you, you, you hit these out of the park. That is a delicious drink. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> I could drink one of these probably every week. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Very nice. And, and what did you call it again, Robert? I, I called it a gin and tonic. Uh, that mm. was a, it's a very exotic. fancy name for it. Yes, <laughs> I like the. I'm going to try the anise and the and the mint. Yeah, the anise that. and the lime mint is a lime. Very, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, it's a, it's I, a daytime I'm, drink. It's a day drinking drink for sure, like a Sunday afternoon kind of thing. Oh, there. see, you got me right there. Day drinking. So, yeah. uh, so are we? Uh, are we day drinking these, or are we? Uh, where Where are we, we going to go with these? Yes, of course we are. Well, I think here. Um, mm-hmm. You know there is uh, there 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 are some beautiful places um, you know here in the U.S. this time of year in the fall that have sort of an Indian summer, mm-hmm. um, and there is a place that my wife grew up actually is uh, up in the uh, the Adirondack Mountains, um, and you know and Adirondack Mountains is is for for those of European listeners, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. not quite what you would think of as mountains. Um, <laughs> they are hills really, but um, yes. they are indeed, um, there are lots of ski resorts up there and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But more importantly is where the Finger Lakes are. Um, mm-hmm. And the Finger Lakes are these beautiful Lake Placid, uh, you might be familiar yeah. with where the Olympics were is up there. And those, um, all of those uh, places in the fall, um, mm. Get a little bit of an Indian summer can just be spectacular. This kind of view, mm. watching leaves change, um, and a Sunday afternoon up there where we sit and drink a few of these would be just splendid. A splendid. I, I, I mean, I've been close there geographically. I haven't actually. I don't know whether I've actually been there, but I do have 
So, and I can't pronounce the word that you just said, Arendak. I do have some Arendak chairs that I bought in the US that we brought back to the UK. So I can sit on a chair at least with the right name. Yes, the Adirondack. <laughs> Adirondack, yes. Adirondack, um, there you go. And so I'm presuming we're sitting, because they're a classic chair, aren't they? We're, we're sitting there and, 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 uh, and what are we discussing? Oh, well, we were sitting in those two Adirondack chairs, which would be perfect, mm-hmm. actually, having these wonderful gin and tonics. Do you, mm-hmm. you, you've heard the joke um, about, you know, when, you, when you're with your friend and you're hiking in the forest um, mm-hmm. and you come upon a bear that you don't have to run faster than the bear. You just need to run faster than the bear. <laughs> um, I don't know if I like where this is going, mate. Yeah. We're in bear country. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> oh, I thought we were friends. <laughs> you know, I was, I was recently doing a keynote, um, and in fact, uh-huh. it was part of my my um, uh, research that I was doing for my keynote at Content Marketing World, mm-hmm. and I had uh, researched this, you know, wonderful, fantastic example that I wanted to use. Um, you know, it was a beautiful publication. It built an audience, all this stuff. I didn't end up using it, so nobody can go back and listen to my keynote and try and figure out who it is. Um, but um, I wanted to sort of validate some of the, you know, it was an older uh, um, example, and I wanted to validate some of the results. So I emailed the person that I actually knew at that company, um, who I knew hadn't been responsible for the program, but I thought, oh, yeah, a program mm-hmm. like this, of course, she knows about it. Um, and she, I emailed her and I asked her about it. And she said, I've never heard of that project in my life. Um, and I know it existed because I actually saw it. <laughs> so, so, yeah. The, but that's, you know, the interesting thing is, is that it's not uncommon, um, yeah. actually, to, especially with larger organizations, you know, to hear stuff like, well, that's the brand part of the organization and they get to cool new, do inter- yeah. interesting things, but yeah. yeah, we don't get to do that in our part of the world. Um, yeah. or, you know, or I've never heard of that cool, interesting campaign that got run and is yeah. you know, such a great example. And the, you know, in, you know, the, you know, the people wow. at the conferences use it, they don't know. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's easy for us to, you know, it, one of the things that I think is so so fascinating is is that we can envision companies, mm-hmm. big companies, yeah, and we see the CMO and she's got her you know feet kicked up on the desk and she's reading <laughs> through you know these reports and you know yeah. people are coming in and out of her office saying you know hey here's this and here's that and you know yeah. and she's got her finger on the pulse of everything right you know yeah. and so you know so yeah. yes I approve that strategy yes that's going to be that's you yeah. know and and basically has knowledge about it. and the truth be told is eh, they don't they don't know what the hell right. is going on they don't. <laughs> right. you know i mean i i remember going to one conference and the cmo of the company and i was literally working with that company with their with their content yeah. practitioner team doing yeah. a, a content and marketing audit of their digital capabilities yeah. and the cmo was up on stage at this conference just just gushing about how their strategy was so forward leaning and it was amazing yeah doing all these things and quite frankly it's like no it was not it was it was really really struggling and so yeah the lesson out of all of that is you know one of the things that i talk to clients all the time about is when we start Mm -hmm. these innovative programs whether they're content marketing or digital or whatever they are Mm -hmm. 
One of the things that we have to make sure that we're doing is a much better job of internal communication and evangelization, yeah. right? It's just yeah. making sure that we're communicating with people, even if it's going to slow us down a little bit. Because yeah. um, the, the pushback I get a lot of that is, well, we would do this socialization, but quite frankly, then everybody, we're going to have so many cooks in the kitchen and it's yeah. going to push us down and we're going to slow down yeah. and it's going to slow down progress. Yeah. So it's just better to sort of operate independently because we can move faster. And it's like, yeah, that's good. You can run faster than your friend, right? You know, in other words, the bear may catch them, but quite frankly, <laughs> you may run out of friends too, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. you know, you, you'd be alone in the wilderness. Um, yeah. and, and I watched one company actually do that at one point, you know, they sort of built this highly innovative content program. And then mm. one day, you know, we're moving so fast that they had sort of looked back and realized that the entire ship of the company had moved off in a different direction. Oh, they're kind of off on a life raft. And that was when the CMO literally turned around and said, what do all those people do over there on that life raft? And nobody oh had a good answer. Guess what gets cut. So just yeah. internal, you know, making sure that we're communicating and marketing internally is mm -hmm. a huge piece. Is that, um, and it, it varies, doesn't it? I mean, is, are you saying um, internal selling, selling the program that you're doing, or well, are you talking both. about building consensus? Yeah, it's both, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's basically, you know, communicating frequently um, yeah. and, uh, and often about not only selling in and getting people excited about the program, but yeah. ongoing making sure that everybody knows what you're doing, you know, because yeah. especially in content marketing, it's not just a campaign, it's an ongoing operation. And so you've got to not only make sure that people know about this cool launch of this blog or resource center or webinar program or thought leadership or whatever it is you're doing, yeah. but then also you've got to make sure that they're constantly and continuously engaged with what it is you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I've told the story a, a million times of, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen in your business is some salesperson gets a call from a prospective customer saying, oh, my God, this is the most amazing white paper I've ever seen. You know, mm -hmm. this is so great. It's so wonderful. Where, you know, what, what you know, what do you guys think about this? And the sales guy goes, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, now you've just ruined both of those Everything. things. You ruined the thought yeah. leadership and the relationship with that sales yeah. guy. Because yeah. he's not only provided no value, he's provided negative value, right? So, yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah. making sure that people know what you're doing is an, an, an incredibly important part of this. Yeah, but it is always, um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm facing that with a client right now. It's always, it's, it's difficult to know how many people to bring into the tent, isn't it? When you're, yeah. when you're doing, especially if you're doing something that you know that everybody's going to have an opinion about. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's hard to know when to do that as well. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah. you know, the right answer is like, well, you know, you want to make sure that everybody knows what you're doing. Yeah. You can make sure that, you know, that there's no surprises and you don't get, you know, you're setting yeah. expectations and resetting expectations. And, but yeah. in many cases, there is a good argument to say, not yet. Not, yeah. You want to bring them in, but not yet because yeah. we know we're not looking for feedback. We're looking, for, you know, in other words, we're not yeah. looking for a critique at this point. So when do you bring yeah. them in? And that's a, that's a, there's a fine balance there for sure. But, you know, yeah. finding also, that balance is incredibly important. Yeah. Because also, if you're a creative, um, and, you know, we've all been in these situations where you actually want the purity of the idea to come through at the, out the other end, don't you? You don't want, to be creating something by committee and you end up with a sort of misshapen camel shaped thing 
um, you actually want the purity of the idea to come out the other end. So yeah. then you can you can say, look, this is this is going to work. Whereas during the process, the this changes so sufficiently that you're like you've lost sight of what the thing actually was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And how do you, um, I mean, I know there isn't a definitive answer like one way or another, but how do you co coach that? I mean, do you do you put that in the plans when you talk to your clients about don't forget you need to do some internal um, selling as part of your program or you need to, it's best to include the stakeholders in here. How do you, how do you manage that with your clients? You know, it's, um, it's to be honest it's 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 just a a very important piece of the planning process right yeah it is you know it's easy to forget that part um mm -hmm. especially when we're working on something that can be insular like yeah. a content marketing platform like a blog or a resource center yeah. or a webinar or a thought leadership program because yeah in many ways one of the one of the freeing things about that is that you know what it doesn't have anything to do with product marketing so i don't need to talk to them and it doesn't have anything yeah. to do with the sales guy so i don't need to talk to them and it doesn't have anything to do with the demand gen or the e-commerce or those teams yeah. so we're not going to worry about them until we're ready to worry about them yeah. but yeah the key is is that we may be missing out on opportunity yeah. um, and we may be missing out on um you know optimizing our chances for success by not by keeping them out of the tent yeah or, so it yeah. just becomes you know it, it you just throw up the question mark right as part of every yeah. step along the plan to say yeah who do we need to communicate this to who do we need to communicate yeah. this to who do we need to communicate yeah. this to? yeah and you know they've gotten a different opinion right they, they should have been there at the beginning <laughs> yeah. it, well and it would have been way too. better <laughs> there, yeah there's that too i mean you know there's there's the you know who do we who do we want in the room to but to, in the very beginning yeah. of this thing and then there's who do we need in the room to make sure that we can keep going yeah no that's perfect thank you very much robert um and is this something you've written about yourself has you shared this on your blog you know on occasion yeah i mean we, we talk a lot about internal comms and the importance yeah. of it when we talk about content marketing so it's a yeah it's a key yeah. piece of the workshop we teach is a key piece of the consulting we do it's a key piece of yeah. just about everything we talk about so you know yeah. yeah there's lots of stuff out there yeah and you i i should actually pluck quotes from your book i think as part of some of our conversation or your books i should say as part of this conversation because i'm sure you referred to them there but if people do want to read some of your stylings and are not buying your books where, where might they find you robert well they would find me at um the mm -hmm. wonderful content advisory.net which is of course mm -hmm. our lovely home on the interwebs yep and uh, and when they and when they spin that dial and they and they want to catch up with you on the socials wherever they find you there oh who knows social media what the hell is that <laughs> I don't know what that is these days you know no i'm on i'm on twitter of course um at uh, robert underscore rose and then on linkedin as well which is always just a good search away well all right. Well, thank you very much for introducing me to Gin and Tonic this week. <laughs> Absolutely a pleasure. <laughs> I've no idea what I'm going to drink next week now. I don't know whether we've burst that joke, but will I see you next week in the bar? You will indeed. I look forward to it, my friend. See you then. Thank you, Robert. 
We don't rehearse these segments, so the joke was on me with a gin and tonic. If you're new to the show, I've been making gin and tonics for the last 27 episodes. Uh, maybe find out next week if we stick with that joke. In any case, I suspect these cocktails might hold us back if we need to outrun a bear, but great advice as ever. So, that's a wrap on episode 36 of the Rockstar CMO Effing Marketing Podcast. Thanks again to Dennis for all his support in the conversation, to Robert for the inspiring cocktail, and to Seth Godin and Douglas Burdett for the work they do, who I suspect don't listen to the show, but hat tip to those gentlemen. I will, of course, include all their links in the show notes at rockstarcmo.com forward slash podcast, where you can also find all our previous episodes. If you liked my guests, please give them a mention, click on the links, follow them and take a look at their work. I really appreciate their time. But most of all, thank you for dropping a dime into your podcasting jukebox, selecting our track and jiving along with us. Hope you enjoyed the show. So, do you think the world needs another effing marketing podcast? I would love to know what you think. Drop us some feedback, a review, subscribe, share, or just keep listening. I'm glad you're here. Next week, I'm dipping into the world of marketing operations and chatting to Simon Daniels, a freelance fractional marketing leader. And, you heard the man, Robert Rose will be back in the Rockstar CMO virtual bar. Until then... I've been your host, Ian Truscott, founding editor of rockstarcmo.com, and I hope you'll join us next week here at Rockstar CMO FM. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.